Okay, not that low. Is that better? Can y'all hear me now? Good morning. Uh, if you got your Bible, I want to ask you to take it and open it up to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. And now, before we do anything else, I just want to go ahead and just usher us into this time by just letting you know this morning is not going to be a lighthearted morning. Okay? This morning's not going to be uh, happy-go-lucky. This morning is not going to be like when you leave here, probably you're going to feel like you could uh, run, jump, and skip, and shout, right? I hope you feel like encouraged through the word, right? But I really believe this morning that God has got uh, a very serious work to do in our hearts if we're going to live the kind of lives that he has called us to live, okay? So this, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a very, uh, what I would call, heavy morning. And so this morning... Uh, but while you're turning to Isaiah 66, I just want to uh, I just want to talk to you about something that God's been doing in my heart this morning. And some of the blue connectors they're going to hear this twice because I talked about it in our 10 o'clock meeting. But it's kind of funny how God's just been dealing with me this morning as uh, as I've been getting ready uh, to to preach this morning about about Bible reading and about how we should approach the Bible. But I got I want to ask you this, and I pray it comes out as clear in my head this morning as God's been speaking to me. When we come here and see, I told. The, the mood was right this morning for uh, in the 10 o'clock meeting. Everybody was kind of like half asleep, and like some of y'all are, are, in that, are in that area right now, right? Just about half asleep. Uh, you don't really know why you come here week to week. Like uh, some of you come like on the second and fourth Sunday, and you got that like figured out, right? And then others of you come just whenever you can, right? And you don't have any real purpose. Some of you come every Sunday and don't have any real purpose in, in coming, right? We just come here from week to week to week. And we don't even know why. And so this morning, I, I just, as I was preparing, as I was, as I was praying this morning, I felt God really speak the question in my heart. What do you want from church? What is it that when you get out of bed on Sunday mornings and you come in to this place, you get your kids ready, right? And we, like, if you got young kids, I know, like, you got to have some motivation to get up and get here on time, right? Because that's, that's World War III, okay? Like, what is it that you want? When you come here, what is it that you're hoping to get before you leave and go back out in the next week? Is it, is it good feelings? I feel like for a lot of us, it's probably some kind of encouragement. We feel like if we can come, and we can come on Sunday morning, and we can get that word spoken into us, what's going to happen when we leave is that we'll have some encouragement, and we can leave out of here with good feelings about, our, about us, you know, because we, we heard how God loves us, and we heard how God came to the earth to save us, right? And we heard all these things, so we just come here for good feelings, right? Or another reason I think a lot of us come is because, like, we have young kids, right? We have kids, and we know they need to be growing up in church, so we come out of mere obligation, right? Because we know they need to get, they need to hear about God and grow in God. I think that's the reason a lot of us come. But then there are others of us who, like, I have no doubt in my mind, you get up on Sunday morning, and like, listen, I, I told the, the guys earlier, the guys and ladies earlier who are serving, do not take this all at all. Out of, a, out of a voice of condemnation because this is not at all what that is, right? I've been praying this week. Man, I've been praying that God would help me love you guys this morning as I preach. And, and I'm preaching to myself, right? This is what God's spoken to me this morning is that even as, I was, even as I was reading and praying and preparing for today. Some of us just come out of mere obligation. Some of us, we serve and we come only when we serve, right? If we're serving orange or we're serving blue, buddy, we're going to be there. 
But very seldom do we come after that because we, we just have this sense of obligation and we don't have any real purpose in why we get up and go on Sunday mornings other than as what we think we should do. And I got, I just, I got to be honest with you, church. I don't want to come to church and waste my Sunday mornings for just another, uh, another Sunday morning experience. Okay? I've got better things I can do than, than come up here. And as much as, I love, as much as I love each and every one of you, I've got better things I can do than to come in here and put on a fake smile and mumble through some words. Because to be honest, I want to be a church. Listen to me. I want to be a church that we're the kind of church where each and every Sunday morning, if God, the very presence of God, does not show up, we're wasting our time by coming. And so let me just, let me just like inform you on what we're doing here this morning. The reason we come to church, it's not because we're obligated to, it's not because we feel like it's the right thing to do, it's to seek the very face of God in our lives. It's because we want to have more of God. And I just want to, I want to be real honest with you, and I feel like God's given me permission to say this. If you are coming each week and you're not coming for that reason, you're wasting your time. There are, more, there, there are more important things you could do than come in here and act like you want to be here when you don't. And so I was reading this. God drew my attention to this passage this morning. This is completely free. I, I, I shared this with the, with the connectors this morning. God drew my, my attention to this passage. This is what I want for our church. Listen, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And if you don't know the Old Testament, what's just happened is Solomon has built the, the temple, right? And we're talk, if, you don't, if you want to talk about an extravagant building, go read the dimensions for what the temple was like. I told, I told the Canadians, like, we got the mural there in the back. Like, yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty awesome. The temple had everything was laced with gold. Everything was made out of solid gold. And they made this temple as a building where they were going to come and seek the face of God. And listen what happened when, God, when they built this temple. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. Just, just listen to this story. Listen to the story. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of God filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Do you see what's happening here? They, these people didn't come to, to worship God at a mere, mere obligation. They weren't coming to just another church service. They were coming to be in the presence of God himself. And when they showed up, God actually descended on the place and they worshiped. Like, I, Listen, wouldn't it be cool if next Sunday when we showed up, we had to wait in the parking lot for 20 minutes because, man, this place was filled with smoke. The glory of God descended on, descended on us. We were all standing out in the parking lot and a visitor comes up for the first time and they say, hey, man, what's going on? Man, we can't go in there right now because, you know, God's doing his thing in there. Like, the, is there a fire in there? No, it's just God. There's just God's, God's glories in there. We can't, we, can't, we can't go in there. Doesn't that sound like a crazy scene? I don't know. It sounds crazy, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to church on Sunday mornings for anything less. 
I don't want to just get up and get dressed just to come mumble through some songs that I may not even mean or know. But here's the reality that I know, okay? I, I say all that to say this. As a church, we will never experience the glory of God. We will never experience God do something amazing in this place. We will never, uh, we will never experience anything but a normal Sunday morning until individually we are seeking the face of God for ourselves. Now, that sounds weird to some of y'all. Some of y'all are like seeking the face of God. What are you talking about? I'm not saying you're actually going to see God. What I'm saying is more than anything in your life, what you should want is to know God and to make God known. Does that make sense to everybody? Until we seek him individually, we should not expect anything special to happen in this place corporately. And so today, that's what we're talking about. Listen, today what we're going to talk about is how in our own personal lives can we make pursuing God and worshiping God and knowing God the most important thing in our lives? Because I got news for you. Listen, I got news for you. You're going to get to the end of your life one day, and some of y'all may have even accomplished a lot when you get there, okay? The only thing that's going to matter when you draw your final breath is how well you knew God. Can you imagine this week, Billy Graham passing? Man, we've all been talking about Billy Graham all week, right? Can you imagine how sweet it was for him in those final moments to know I get to go and be with the God I've been pursuing my whole life? Some of y'all, some of you, the first experience you're ever going to have with God is the first time you see him on the other side. Listen, that's not what we want for you. That's not what I want for you. More than anything, that's not what I want for my own life. I want to know God well before I ever see him. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Today, we're going to be talking about the single greatest determining factor in the success or failure of your walk with Christ, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to be speaking like out of turn, but listen to me. This is really important. Today, we're going to talk about the number one factor and how mature you grow in your walk with Christ, Okay? Nothing else will determine how much you grow in Christ except for this one thing. And that's what today we're going to be talking about how we approach the Word of God and how we read it and how we live in it and how we know it. And see, today, for most of us, if we're real honest, the Bible is a neglected necessity. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. It's a, you know it. You know you need to be reading your Bible, okay? You know that you should be growing in Scripture. You know that you should want to know the Bible, but we're largely apathetic toward it. That's, that is the reality for most of us. Listen, you can go read any kind of study you want to, and, most of, and all of them the same. 80% of people who say they're Christians don't read the Bible more than once a week. You know when they read it that once a week? Sunday morning when they're following along to preach it, right? 80% don't read it but Sunday to Sunday. So for most of us this morning, even as I'm telling you that we're never going to know God outside the Bible, the reality is you don't even have a relationship with the Bible, okay? That's most of us. 
Now, there are others of us who, who are experienced with the Bible is a little bit different because we want to know the Bible and we may even attempt to read the Bible, but our experience with the Bible is marked with frustration because we know we can't understand the Bible. We don't, when we come to the Bible, we don't know what we're looking at, we don't know how to read it, and we don't understand a dang thing they're saying. So we put it down and we close it up and we just walk away from it and we say, I'll let the preacher explain it to me on Sunday. That, that, I, I'd be willing to bet that 95% of us are in the, one of those two camps this morning. You're either apathetic altogether or you're frustrated with how little you know and how little you can understand. But here's what I, here's what I want you to know. You might be here this morning, you might be struggling to know the Bible, okay? You might be, it might be hard for you to understand. There might be things you can't get out of it, but you are frustrated to understanding the difficult things of the Bible are not an excuse to neglect it. Just because you don't understand it don't mean you get to put it down and not read it week to week. So today, we've got, we've got to move into being people who more, more important than anything else in this world, more important than our children's ball games that are about to start coming up on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, more important than uh, going fishing on Saturdays, more important than uh, watching that TV show that, man, we just know we hadn't missed a show of it, more important than any of those things, we've got to become people that the Bible is the most important thing in our lives. And if we do not then we will not. Let me, let me explain. Let me, hear me now. You remember what I just said about experiencing God. If we do not make the Bible the most important thing in our lives, we will not experience God. Some of you have been here and you've been coming here since we started two years and what you really want is to know more Jesus. You, you look at people who are more mature than you and you look at people who are further along and what you want is to have what they have and I want to make clear to you this morning, you will not if you do not. So by God's grace, I, I'm praying today that we'll be set on fire for the word. But here, listen to this. We've got to see what's at stake. We've got to see what's at stake in the Bible. So I told you to turn to Isaiah chapter 66. What's at stake if we don't make the Bible the most important things in our life, thing in our life? Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. I think it's going to be on the screen. Y'all follow along with me. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What is this house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. This is, where, this is where I really want us to focus this morning. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Let's stop, keep that verse right there for me for just a second. Let's talk about this for just a second. I want you to see what God's saying we have to be. Listen, God says that he wants us to be people who tremble at the word of God. He wants us to be, this is how we're supposed to approach the Bible. We're supposed to approach the Bible humble and hungry. We're humble before God and we're hungry to know God and we're ready to be obedient to whatever we read in it. This is how God says that we are to approach the Bible, okay? 
That's really important. We are to tremble before the Word of God. Now, I, want you to, I don't want you to just hear me say that. I want you to put a picture of this in your mind. Picture the man or woman who makes the, the Bible the most important thing in their life, who they're hungry to know more of it. They're hungry to memorize it. It might be the man or woman who gets up an hour and a half before the rest of their family does because they know if they don't get up before the rest of their family, man, they'll never get to read that Bible. So they're getting up at the wee early hours in the morning just to read the Bible. It might be the woman who, man, She's a, she stays home all day with her kids and she's struggling. And man, it, I don't know if y'all got toddlers, but after that happens, you stay at home all day with a kid and you want to like either assassinate yourself or assassinate the child, right? Okay, I'm just making sure y'all with me. I, I'm, and it might be that woman who she stays up an hour after everybody else has gone to bed because there's nothing more important than getting in that word. She's got to have it. It might be... It might be that man who's, walk, who's walked with Christ for 20 years and he's read that Bible so many times that he can tell you uh, almost every word. Like picture the man or the woman who trembles before the word of God. That's what God is telling us we have to be. Now, here's what I really want you to see. What happens if we don't become this kind of people? Look at the top of verse 2. He says, this is to the one to whom I will look. This is the person who I'm going to come to. This is the person who I'm going to show my face to. This is the person who I will spend my time with, the person who trembles at the word. Here's what that means. No Bible, no God. If the Bible is not an important part of your life, God is not an important part of your life. Your spiritual maturity is dependent upon how you approach the Bible. God goes on to make it the point even clearer, though. This is where it gets really good, verse 3. Verse 3 says this, and this is not going to make any sense until I explain it to you for, for a lot of you, but this is Old Testament, Isaiah's hard stuff, but just let me, explain, let me read it and I'll explain it. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. They have chosen their ways and their soul delights in their abominations. Okay, what's he saying right here? You gotta know, you gotta have a little bit of Old Testament knowledge, okay? What he is describing is how the people of Israel used to worship. They used to make sacrifices and offerings. And here's what God is saying: that you can do all the right things of worship, but if you do not approach my Bible the right way, all of your worship is worthless. So here's, this is what blew my mind this week as I was thinking about it. Some of y'all act like, man, you have done God a favor if you come to church on Sunday morning and sit down and sing a few songs. You think you've done God a favor. And listen, here's what I'm telling you. It does not matter what you do if you're not this kind of person. It doesn't matter. God says that's worthless. Don't, don't come at me with such noise. Listen, this is going to touch a few of you men right here. Listen. Some of us act like the way we come before God is that we men are doing him a favor by stacking these chairs up and rolling them in here for somebody to sit down in on Sunday mornings. And you look at God and you say, man, I'm honoring God. I'm worshiping God. This is, this is my work for God. And what God is saying is it don't matter what you do if you're not this kind of person. He's saying, listen, 
He's saying outside of being a person who humbles himself before God and is ready to obey his word, it does not matter what you do. I don't care, I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I don't care how long you've been a part of connection. I don't care if you were a part of the core team that started this thing up. I don't care if you came here last week. I don't care if you were a deacon at a Baptist church your whole life. Outside of being a person who is humble before God and hungry for his word, he says, you're not honoring me. This is that important. This is that important that, we, that we're this kind of people, that we're hungry to know God's word. And so with that, I just, I got to ask you, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't incriminate yourself right here. How have you been reading the Bible this week? Have you read it? Have you read it? Have you been in the Word, you know? How many of y'all have read it seven days this past week? How many of you have, um, have, have spent 30 minutes for five days in the Bible? How many of you have walked past the Bible and know that you should probably open it up and read a little bit of it and didn't read any of it? How many of you only read what was necessary for you to get to connect group and get done? How have you been approaching the Bible? Because here's what God's saying. Nothing else even matters. It doesn't even matter. So we've got to do a couple things this morning. This is going to go real quick. I say that, so it's going to be a 30-minute sermon from here, okay? Y'all can laugh. I'm not, I'm not mad at you, okay? Here's what we've got to do. We've got to do a couple things. We've got to answer these questions. What is the Bible, okay? And now I know that's going to sound elementary, but listen, some of you are so frustrated with the Bible because you don't even know what the Bible really is, okay? We need to know what the Bible is. So we're going back, we're going back to elementary Christianity, okay, K through 5th. Then we're going to ask, what does the Bible do? Okay, if I'm telling you the Bible is this important, why is it so important? What's it do to us? And then the last thing is we're going to answer this, and it's going to be, we're going to make this a real practical time for the, when we close here. How should we read the Bible? Because the reality is some of you would love to be in Scripture every day. You just don't know where to start, how to do it, or what to get from it, okay? So how should we read it? That's how we're going to close. So let's start with this. What is the Bible? Before I do that, let's pray, because I had not even prayed yet. Dear God, I thank you so much for how you love us. God, I thank you so much for your, your word, God. Lord, I am nothing, God. Lord, I don't even take your word seriously enough, God. I'm the most sinful person in here, but Lord, I pray that you'd have mercy on me because I'm a sinner, God. God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would, would just flow through this place. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Just side note real quick, I see some of y'all fanning. Um, we didn't do that on purpose, so like at the invitation, I could be like, this is what hell's going to feel like, okay? The air conditioner's out. Um, <laughs> But the box fans are on, and that's good. So if I'm born, box fans should have put me to sleep. So there you go. There's a plus for everything, right? So that's why we got box fans stationed all around here. All right, so first thing is this. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? What is this book that I'm up here talking about? I'm telling you that's important, right? We know it's 66 books. We know it was written over a span of 1,500 years on four different continents. But what is it besides words on a page? Look at verse 2. Put verse 2 back up there on me. We're going to answer this from the Scripture. He says, the person who trembles at my word. Here's, this is first grade Christianity right here, okay? The Bible is the word of God. Now, the Bible is the word of God. Here's what that means. That means that the subject of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God. That means that the Bible is not about you. 
If the Bible is the Word of God, then the Bible is a word about God. Now, this may seem elementary, but the Bible is a book by God and about God, and the reason we read it is to know God. Now, I know that seems like a dumb thing to clarify, but we have such a... As I was praying about this this morning, God, it just it brought so much conviction on me because we have a fundamental misunderstanding when it comes to the Bible. We tend to think that the Bible is a book of rules, Right? We open it up and we read it and we're trying to find rules that tell us we should do this and we shouldn't do this. And if you read it long enough, you'll find some of those rules, but it's pretty discouraging because what you're going to find is that you can't keep any of them, right? You go find those Ten Commandments and you're like, well, I hadn't killed anybody. And then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, have you ever been angry at somebody in your heart? And you're like, yeah, Jesus, I've been angry in my heart. He says, well, you murdered somebody. So, I mean, you're, if you go through there looking for a book of rules, you're going to be pretty discouraged pretty fast, Okay. Some of us, we approach it like it's a guide to self-improvement because we know we're not as good as what we should be. So what we think is if I open God's Word and read the Bible a little bit, maybe I'll be better than what I am. Maybe it can give me a few tips, right, to improve myself to where I can be more pleased with me and other people can like me more. But here, listen to me. If you go to a bookstore, go to Barnes & Noble, go to the self-improvement section. You'll find a ton of books. If you want a self-improvement book, go there. You're not going to find the Bible there. The Bible's not a book to tell you how to, to lose a guy in 10 days or whatever, that, that kind of stuff. I've never, Joel Stein, I think, Best Life Now or something. Go find that. The Bible is not a book that's a guide to heaven. Listen, I've heard preachers my whole life say this, and the next time I hear a preacher say it, like I'm probably going to stand up and be like, shut up, right? That would, I hope it's not anybody preaching here because that would be really weird, okay? But I've heard, I've heard preachers say this, and, and Jeremy would never say this. So let me clarify. Anybody else other than Jeremy? I've heard preachers say my whole life, the Bible is basic instruction before leaving earth, right? And now... It's a cute little thing to say if I was two, all right? But that's not what the Bible is, okay? Because a lot of us open the Bible so many times, and what we think is that the Bible is our roadmap for how to get to heaven. Now, listen, there are some maps in the back of the Bible if you've got a good one, but there ain't any in there telling you how to get to heaven, okay? All of these things, that was a joke, okay? There are maps in the back of the Bible. All of these things, they're not bad tidbits, guys. But here's the problem. They show that the way we approach the Bible is that we think the Bible is for us. It's about us. We're reading it for us. And that's at the very heart of the problem because the Bible's not about you. My wife, my wife, uh, I don't, she reads stuff sometimes. I don't even know that she's reading it. And then I saw the other day, I'm quoting her here. She put this on Facebook. She's, this is from a book she read. If y'all are wondering where she's at, she's not mad at me. Our 18 months threw up on herself when they tried to take her to KK, so she had to go home. Um, so we're good. Reduce, this is what she put. Reduce the urge to reduce the Bible to, or resist the urge to reduce the Bible to nice tips for nice living. Nice tips never save anyone from eternal destruction. So get what he's saying. If, you're, if you open the Bible and you're looking in your Bible for a few tips to make it to heaven, right? you're not going to find what you need there because tips don't save people. Only Jesus does. 
As long as we open the Bible looking for rules to follow, tips to make us happier, or magic eight ball answers to a problem we're having, we're going to be spiritually immature, frustrated, and deformed. Right? As long as you, as long as you, you, man, you hadn't read the Bible in six weeks, but you got something going on in your life, you want God's guidance. Y'all know y'all do this. Let me open it up. Put your finger on something. See if that's what God's telling I know y'all have done it. I've done it before. Right? <laughs> as long as that's the way we're approaching the Bible, we're going to be frustrated with the Bible. Because listen, the Bible is a book about, God, about the God of the universe and how he created us and then how he came to earth and saved us and then how one day he's going to come again and be with us. The Bible's not about you. And the problem so many of us have is that we sit down and we get, we get a little short devotional book with a bunch of little short tidbits. We want a, uh, we want a fast food version of the Bible to give us enough uh, nutrition to make it through the day. But what you don't realize is if you see somebody who eats McDonald's 365 days a the year, they're going to die pretty quick. Because that's not the way you're supposed to uh, come to the Bible. We want deep nutrition, not junk off the top. I'm not calling the Bible junk. What I'm telling you is you can't approach it that way or you'll get junk. I read this. Listen to me. The whole Bible, properly understood, has this divine purpose and effect to communicate to us the glory of God. And this pervasive aim of Scripture is to glorify God. And what they teach and how they teach it, it reveals the handiwork of God in writing the Bible. When you open the Bible, you're trying to come to know God. And listen, I thought all week, how can I actually communicate this to you where you would understand it? And the best illustration I have of this is something that I do in my own life, okay? I, uh, all of you, I don't see any people in here who are that new that you don't know that I have a little baby girl, right? And so um, I decided well, on her first birthday, she hadn't had her second yet, so I hadn't wrote my second letter yet, but I decided what I would do for her growing up is that I would write her letters on her birthday, and I would have them mailed to the house, and then my wife would put them up for her to have when she's later, right? And like, I'm not, don't hear this and think like I'm super morbid, but like, I could die like at any minute, and I want to leave my kid with something they can know me by, right? So imagine this. Imagine that I do this for Danny until the time she's five or six years old. She's got five or six letters that I have handwritten her from her dad to her with just any amount of stuff in there. It might be me telling her I love her, me telling her a dream I have for her, me telling her how I'm praying for that year, but any, any amount of stuff like that. Let's say tragically, right, I die, Jenna gets remarried because she finds some kind of, she finds a doctor or whatever, somebody that can... Uh, support Danny's lifestyle habits. All right, she's kind of expensive. <laughs> and I'm gone, right? I'm gone, I'm done. All that Danny would have left of me, right? She's, not, she's too young to really, really remember me. But all that she would have left of these five or six letters that I wrote to her. Now, here's what I want you to ask. Do you think Danny would approach any of those letters with the mindset of, I wonder what I need to do tomorrow as I go to school through these letters. I, she's going to open up one of these letters and say, well, I like, I like Johnny. Should I date Johnny? Let me read Dad's letters and see what he has to say to me about dating Johnny, right? Like, listen, I might tell her the kind of guy I want her to marry one day, but that's not the main reason Danny's going to be coming to those letters. If I'm dead and gone, and that's all Danny's got to remember me by, why would she come to those letters? Because she wants to know her dad. And listen, I pray that I get to write Danny 33, 
50, however many of those letters. All right, I, don't pray, I pray I'm not going anytime soon. But when, she, when I leave, she's going to have something to know me by. And here's the thing I want you to realize. That is what God has done for us in the Scriptures. He has not given you a, a magic eight ball for you to go and shake it up and ask, God, what should I do in this situation and what should I do in that situation? There might be something good in there for you to guide you in that, but the main reason he has left you with Scripture is that you, so that you can know who he is. And now here's what I want you to understand. If you know who God is, when you come to the situations in your life where you need to do a magic eight ball, you don't have to do the magic eight ball because you know what God wants you to do. People think I'm crazy all the time when I tell them this, and I, I wouldn't necessarily cancel anybody in this, but you know how many times I prayed about Mary and Jenna? I bought the ring, and then that day I got down and prayed and was like, God, if you don't want me to marry this person, you should probably tell me, right? Because I just bought a ring, okay? I'm not advising that as the best thing. But here's the thing. I knew what God's Word said about marriage. And I knew what God's word said about purity. And I knew what God, how God felt about those things. So you know what I did? I knew, okay, God wants me to be pure. God says if there's a woman who you want to kiss every day that you should marry her, Jenna's that woman, I'm going to marry her. That's the Bible's teaching on, on marriage, right? Just go in there, it's in there, I promise. But I didn't, I didn't, what I'm saying is I didn't have to shake the magic eight ball to find out, God, is this the one? Am I going to have a notebook type marriage? No, Right? I just knew because I knew God. I pray that you're beginning to see how important the Bible is right now, okay? So that's what the Bible is, okay? Second thing is this. What does the Bible do? Okay? Now, here's, here's, this is something pretty amazing because if, if you don't have any experience with the Bible, the Bible's not like any other book. You can go and read the best books on this planet, right? Go read them all, and here's what I guarantee you find. They might resonate with you, but none of them do anything to you. They're just words on a paper. The Bible is not just words on a paper. The Bible, look at Hebrews 4.12. I got it right here. The Bible... It says, is the word of God is living and active. Here's what that means. That when you read the Bible, you're doing something to the Bible and the Bible's doing something back to you. It's not like you're reading uh, Huckleberry Finn. It's not like you're reading uh, any, any of uh, Shakespeare or something. This is, this is something that you're doing something to it and it's doing something back to you. It's living and active. So what does the Bible do to us? The Bible does two things. The Bible breaks us down and the Bible builds us up. Look at Jeremiah 23, 29. First, the Bible breaks us down. Look what, this, this blew me away when I read this this week. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? He says, this is what my Bible does. It's like a hammer that's beating on a rock and it's breaking it into pieces. And so I don't want to scare you from reading the Bible, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to open the Bible directly if you read it long enough, and God's going to take the Bible, of the Bible and the hammer of the Bible, and he's going to start beating on you with it. See, because what happens is when we're saved, we're free from the power of sin in our life. We're free from the penalty of sin, but we're not free from the presence of sin. And can I get an amen on that? Does anybody still feel the presence of sin in their lives? 
Like we wake up every day and you have sinful thoughts and you have sinful desires and you have sinful inclinations and you're, you realize you're still a sinner. Here's what the Bible does to us as Christians who are saved but still full of sin. It takes us and like a scalpel in the hand of a doctor, like the fire in a furnace, like, the, like a, a chisel in the hands of a sculptor, it starts to break us down. It starts to reveal parts of our hearts that do not love Jesus most, and it starts to chisel those parts away. I want to I give you an illustration of how this works for me personally. And um, this happened, this was a few years ago for me, but this is just one of those times that, man, I've never had God speak to me so clearly just from reading the Bible passage. But um, me and Jenna had been married maybe less than a year probably, so this happened a, a little bit ago. But uh, I remember... We, were, we put off uh, our honeymoon trip until later because we, we had some stuff going on right after our wedding. So we were actually on our uh, official honeymoon, which was the worst trip I've ever been on, by the way. I'll tell you that story later if you're interested. All right? But we're in these mountains, right? And when I tell you we're in the mountains, the house was on, was on the peak, and, like, both sides were on e each side of the It was up there, okay? And so I wake up one morning, and I knew in my heart that I had some stuff that I, I was not dealing with and some sins that I had not confessed. Now, if you're wondering what those sins are, you're a gossip, and I'm not going to tell you. Okay? I know some of y'all are like, I wonder what he's got, what he didn't confess, right? So, eat your heart out, all right? <laughs> but I had some sin in my heart that I hadn't confessed. I knew it. But, man, I had become so good at hiding it. Man, I covered it up. And I woke up that morning while we were in the mountains, and I read Proverbs 28:13. Does anybody know what Proverbs 28:13 says? It says, he who conceals a transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses it will be, be in good paths, basically. So I heard that. I was like, huh. wonder who God's talking about here, because it sure ain't me, right? And the whole time, God's taking that hammer and beating it on my soul, leading me into confession, leading me into, leading me into truth, right? Because here's what I want you to realize about the Bible. Whatever's in your heart that's not pure, God, when he reveals himself to you through his word, would chisel it out. That's how it breaks us down. Then look, the Bible builds us up. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for connect, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So listen, I don't want you to think that when you open the Bible, it's just going to be continually getting battered in the head because, like, man, there's another sin i got to deal with. There's another sin. See, because the Bible does two things. The Bible breaks us down. The Bible also builds us back up. And here's what I want you to understand. Some of you have gotten so good at killing sin and are not even focused on what God's called you to actually do other than kill sin. God has a specific purpose for your life where he has called you to do things for, the, for his kingdom and his glory. And here's what I want you to realize. You will never walk in those things until you walk in the pages of the Bible. Amen. It says the only way we can be equipped to do the work that God's put before us to do is if we know the Bible. All scripture is for this purpose. So... We will not be the man or woman God. We will not grow into that man or woman God's called to be until we're in Scripture. Has anybody said, you know, the Olympics are coming to a pass right now. And I don't know, like maybe some of y'all are like big Olympic people. Other than that one sport where they do, where they're curling, curling I think is what it's called, where they, man, that's cool. We're like sweeping the ice. I don't get it, but it's cool. 
But has anybody seen that Olympic commercial that's been on lately where it's the stupidest thing ever, right? Where they're saying that has Lindsey Vaughn skiing, and they're saying nine out of ten Olympic athletes drink milk growing up. I'm just like, I bet they did, you know, because 10 out of 10 kids drink milk growing up, okay? And I, I thought, I, I was thinking about it, it's such a stupid commercial, like, yeah, of course 90% of them drink milk, right? But I thought about how, how much of a similar statement it would be, 10 out of 10 mature Christians read the Bible. And here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to tell you, I've never met a mature Christian who didn't live in the Bible, and I've never met a baby Christian who did. If you want to grow up into what Christ has called you to be, live in the Bible. And now the last thing is, how do we read the Bible? So the reality is, like, some of you have been here and have get, just gotten beat up, okay, on what I've just said. Because, like, you know you now you need to read the Bible. Now you feel guilty because you hadn't read the Bible. And now you don't know how to read the Bible, okay? That's what, I want to take, that's what I want to take away for the next few minutes. How do we read the Bible? Okay, so here, listen, I want to make this extremely practical. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. How do we read the Bible? Number one, we have to find the time. We have to find the time. And now what I mean when I say find the time, I want you to go home and I want you to write out a time of day that you can say, I'm going to read the Bible at this time. Every day, all right? If it's, some days is different, you find what works for you. But here's, here's what I know most of us do. With good intentions, what we say is, I'm going to read the Bible every day. And at 9.30 at night, we realize after the kids have gone to bed, we have yet to read our Bible that day. And so what happens is we sit down in our chairs, right, in front of the TV, because the TV's on, because we're Americans, and that's what we do. We watch TV, and we read our Bible while we watch TV, right? Or we, we skim over this Bible right before we go to sleep for the few minutes left of our day that we haven't give to everything else, we'll try to give to God those leftover minutes. And here's what I'm telling you, that don't work. That does not work. You need to find the time where you can say, God, as much as possible, I'm going to come to you at this time as much as I can, five days a week, seven days a week, four days a week. If you can't do but two days a week, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to come to you, God. And now, some of you some of you ladies, you're like, well, I'm dealing with the kids all the time. If I can sit down for 10 minutes, listen, here's what I want you to do. And I'm, I mean this with all my heart. Look at your husband and tell him, baby, I need 20 minutes to go read my Bible and pray. And if he says no, go to the divorce, divorce lawyer because you have married a bum, okay? Guys, if you say no, you're a bum. Don't get a divorce. That was a complete joke. But men, hear me say this. And I, and I was talking, I talked with Jenna a little bit about this last night because I just realized how important it is. As the leader of your home, there is no more basic responsibility that you have than to ensure that your wife has the time to go before God in Scripture. If your wife looks at you and says, I do not have the time, that is not your wife's failure, that is your failure. Make the time for her. Men, I'm going to be even rougher with you right here. If you do not have the time, lose some sleep. I've I bet Billy Graham wasn't on his deathbed this week thinking, God, I wish I had slept 30 more minutes every day and read my Bible. You're not going to get to the end of your life and regret it, but you might need to discipline yourself a little bit now to start seeking. 
So if you find the time, make no excuses. Number two, find a plan. Second biggest thing that hurts us is we don't know what to do. We might read Old Testament this day, New Testament that day. We might read these corny little devotionals, right, that are just taking us all over the place. Some of those are good. Some of them are not good. But here's what you need to be doing. I, I believe this with my whole heart. Until you systematically read through the Bible, you will not grow in the Bible. And he, I, we have been talking about this for months. We've been, we've been planning this for months. But every one of you got one of these in your chair today, okay? And when I tell you to find a plan, I have found you the plan for you, right? You don't even have to go home and find a plan today. But if you'll look at this, it's got from now until December 31st, and it's got a chapter, a chapter and a half, at most two chapters a day where you can read. That would, t if, if you are a normal paced reader, it would take you about two and a half minutes. I mean, five and a half minutes to read two and a half chapters. It's just not going to take you that long. Ten minutes a day, and you can read through the whole Bible in a year. Did you know that? If you're a normal reader, some of y'all are like, I can't, I'm not a good reader, right? It might take you a year and a half, it's okay. But just, just put the time in. And here's what I want to tell you to do. Here's what's going to happen inevitably as you take this home. What's going to happen is every one of y'all are going to go home jacked up to read the Bible. Then y'all are going to make it till Wednesday. And I love you. That's what I'm going to do too. I have failed at reading through the Bible in a year 17 times, okay? I'm, it's okay. But y'all are going to make it till Wednesday, and then you're not, you're going to miss Friday, Saturday, and uh, you're going to miss Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? And you're going to realize again on Sunday that you need to be reading it. And you're going to be like, well, now i got six chapters to catch up on, so it's going to take... Listen, don't put that pressure on yourself. Just pick up what... If, if you miss September 1st through September 6th, pick up on September 7th. It's, don't put the pressure on you to go into this thing and perform because here's what I want you to remember. You're not doing this for anybody else. You're doing this to know God. And then here's the last thing. And this is the most important thing. Listen, this is the most important thing when we're talking about how to read Scripture. How do I read the Bible? When you read through the Bible, here's what I want you to do. And I promise if you do this, it will change your life. I'm not lying. I promise it will. Because some of you not only don't know how to read Scripture, you don't know how to pray. So you're like, well, those two, those two things go together. Listen, here's what I want you to do. As you read through the Bible every day, I want you to find one thing from that scripture that you read that day, and I want you to pray about it. It could be anything. You could be in Ephesians, and you could say, it could say, husbands, love your wife, as Christ loved the church. And husband, you just might have to get down and repent that day because you realize you hadn't been loving your wife like Christ loved the church. This morning, I, I, I read today's already. I read Matthew 1 uh, through, um, through 2.12, I think is what it was. All right? I read that this morning. Listen, I found something to pray about. You know what it was? It was that in the genealogy of Jesus, there, was, there were hookers in the genealogy of Jesus. Go read it. It's, it's in the Bible, right? And I just stopped right there and thank God that he uses dirty, messed up people because I'm a dirty, messed up person. Just find one thing to pray about. And here's what that's going to do. If you, if you just read that Bible and you just close it and you get up and go on, you could read through that Bible the next 20 years and it not make a difference. you got to actually know what's in there. And that's going to work it down into your soul. And so right now we're going to close. Here's what I want us to do. As we close, I want us to think about Isaiah 66 one more time. And we got to answer one more question. Why don't we read the Bible? If we know all this and we leave here and we don't read the Bible, why? And I think that this is the answer. Look at Isaiah 62 with me one more time. 
It says, to this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble. Can you put Isaiah 62 on the screen for me? 66, verse 2. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. See, now listen to me. This is the description of a person who has met Jesus Christ and been broken for Je- in front of Jesus Christ for their sins. Somebody who is humble and contrite. So here's what I want you to realize. If you leave here and you don't read the Bible, there are only two possible reasons you don't read the Bible. Number one is that you've never been humbled by God in the first place to lay yourself down before him and say, God, I need you. Some of you have never surrendered your life to Christ. Some of you have never said, Jesus, I want to make you Lord. I'm not your Lord and surrendered everything and humbled yourself before him. And listen, if that's you today, I'm going to be standing right over here by that box fan. I bet you never thought you'd hear that sentence in church, right? I'm going to be standing right over here by that box fan. And if you realize I have never surrendered my life to Christ, come and please speak to me. Jeremy's back there. Go speak to Jeremy, right? Go speak to anybody. Just don't leave here without surrendering your life to Christ today. And then another reason, you might be here and you might be saved. But if you're not spending time with Scripture, it's because you've forgotten what Christ saved you from. you become unhumbled. And this morning, if you're here this morning and you say, man, I just hadn't been in Scripture, you need to start today humbling yourself before God, getting on your knees and praying and saying, God, I need you and I can't make it through life without you. Would you speak to me today? I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Dear God, I thank you so much for loving me. I thank you so much for, for just using this man's worthless ramblings. Dear God, I pray that... Um, Dear God, I pray that you spoke and that I didn't speak. God, I know that I'm nothing, God, but I pray that you worked. God, I just pray that your name would be glorified forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray.